Hi again, everybody. It's me, JR Man. Welcome to your Life's Work podcast. How are you? Are you great? Welcome to day, where are we at? Jeez, I think we're day 20. I think we're day 20 on the big social media fast where I come off the twits, the insta, the face, move intentionally into the people's lives around me, the people that move me. Who moves you? And are you moving in those circles too? What are you doing? Does this mic sound weird right now? I think it does. Uh, Adam Michael Berger. Michael Berger. Michael Berger. <laughs> He's on the big show today. You're, you're going to see, we're going to talk about Catholicism. He's a Catholic, one of the coolest freaking Catholics I know, and I know a few. We're going to talk about parenting, tattoos. He's tattooed all over his body, all over his big frame. Um, but hey, man, I'm a spiritual director and a mentor. You want to talk? You want to talk about stuff? What's going on? You got a decision to make? A hard decision? I'm your guy. Problems with faith, problems with relationship? I'm your dude. But before we do that, Eichelberger. Hello. Yeah, buddy. Hey, buddy. So the the word is, is you're getting an Arctic blast there like today. True or not true? It's, it's, it's going to go down, and I'm a little worried. I'm from the desert. I'm not prepared for any of yeah, you're kind of like Moses, man. Like, you are used to the desert stuff. What's, I mean, that's got to be horrible. It's horrifying. Well, it's my third winter here, but they're saying two feet in about 24 hours. So this may be the last time you or anybody else hears from me. So. <laughs> when is the, well, first off, listen, I'm rolling, number one. So you're hot. You're in. Okay. You're in. We're in. You're rocking. How long has it been since you and I talked? Do you want to know when the last... So the last time you and I spoke face-to-face, I was on my honeymoon <laughs> with my wife. Oh, my god! And you guys had us over for dinner. You were on your honeymoon. What was that, like 50 yeah. years ago? How long ago was that? Seriously. It was like, that was, that was uh, seven years ago, yeah. Wow, seven years. And now you've got yep. two kids that are like 16 and driving. <laughs> Thank God, because I, I don't want to do it in the snow. Um... All right, tell everybody. Well, first off, it's great to talk to you again. And I, gosh, I think about you all the time. Well, I see you on social so much, and uh, and I, I love. I, you have no idea what joy watching your kids grow up on social is for me. Only because, uh, you know that that we know each other, and I know your wife and everybody. But um, well, re- real quick, give everybody who you are, what you do, where you live, and the whole nine yards. So, uh, yeah, my name is Adam Eichelberger. I live in Syracuse, New York which, as of last year, is the snowiest city in America. So <laughs> take that take that buffalo. Yeah. Um, and uh, we moved here uh, three years ago for me to work in, uh, in ministry. So I do stuff with, like, uh, teenagers and high schoolers and young adults and college-agers and young married people and everybody in between. So I've been doing ministry stuff for, like, 15 years. And uh, we came here to be closer to my, my wife is originally from here, so we decided, hey— we need more snow and colder temperatures. We moved from Tucson, Arizona, the middle of the desert, to Syracuse, New York, because why not? Did you? So, where, so did, that's where we are? Where did you grow up? In Tucson, born it, and raised in yeah, Tucson. Yeah, born and raised in Tucson. Um, so you and your wife and and me and Diane, well, we share that part of the world because Di and I grew up in Rochester, mm-hmm. which is right down the road from Syracuse. 
And yeah, it's just a Syracuse, but with more things to do. Yeah, it, and it's hell. I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. Western New York State, and again, I got yelled at one time by a, a nice young woman for calling Buffalo the armpit of America. But I, but when I'm when I'm saying that, I include Rochester and Syracuse as well. Not that I'm saying anything bad about where you live. I'm not doing that. But see, because I grew up there, I can kind of say whatever mm-hmm. I want. I guess I don't know. Exactly. Maybe it's, maybe it's just rude, and I and I should you know see see more of my therapist. But that's another story. Um, <clears throat> okay, so you and I connect many many years ago. I believe through an email, right? Wasn't that how you and I got going? It was either email or Twitter. I think it was one of the two. But yeah, I sent you a message and just kind of told you that I appreciated what you were doing, and I was and I was kind of following along with some of the work that you did, and I was like, yo, keep it up, man. Yeah. I dig this. Yeah. Anything I can do to help out, you just tell me and I'll do it. And and I can remember kind of an instant connection even over the digital and uh and we just kept furthering the relationship from there until you until you wound wound up having dinner with us on your honeymoon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so that's fantastic. Um Oh hell. So I'm on this big 40-day uh fast from from Soch, from the Twits and the Insta and the Face. And I put mm-hmm. together a little list because I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna do a, I'm gonna literally do a podcast every day and talk to some of my favorite people, and 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 of course, you know, you were right, you were right there. I mean, you're you've always been a, a big source of inspiration for me as I've watched what you do. The the thing about you that you I I love about you is you're Catholic. And I am a huge, as I, as I think, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Catholic faith. Um, and a lot of my spiritual fathers come out of the Catholic faith. Um, you know, my gosh, from, from Rohr to Keating to, to, I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of the big contemplatives that I study daily, uh, all have that Catholic lineage in them somewhere. Some are Episcopal, but we'll give it to them. Cynthia Bourgeau is Episcopal, but I'm sure leans into that. But tell us your love for Catholicism um, and, and where that all started. It, it, because I think people now, particularly, how old are you right now? I'm 35. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sure over the, and I know this for me as a kid, I didn't grow up Catholic. I didn't grow up in any denominational faith. I grew up in the barn of faith. Like I grew up like, kind of fighting it out for myself but for those people that are in a denominational faith like give everybody your love for catholicism and because it's 2019 man and it just and it just seems like people may, might need to you know re-up on some of this stuff oh for sure um so when i was a kid like when i was in my teenage years i i was just like a mess of a human being um and i was going th- i was going through a lot of different stuff and i was I, I remember I, I got forced to go on like a high school uh, confirmation retreat when I was in high school because that's one of the things that Catholics do. We celebrate the, the sacraments, and one of them is being confirmed in the faith. And, and one of the requirements for doing that was going on this retreat. And uh, my grandmother was like this older German lady, and she basically told me that if I didn't go through with getting confirmed— um, I, she, it would it would literally kill her, and I'm like, well, I don't want my grandma to die. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and so I remember I went on this retreat, and I I I tell this story a lot when I when I talk about kind of my my journey of faith. And I, I remember I was in the car with my mom, and I was I was literally bombed out of my mind when I went because I was so not looking forward to spending a weekend away 
talking with all these people about like Jesus and stuff. Cause at the time I was an atheist and now I kind of say like, nobody's actually an atheist when they're 16. You're just kind of an a-hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's so, <laughs> so dude, that dude, thing. that's so, I, I gotta stop you. That's so good. Keep going. <laughs> so we're going to this, con- we're going to this retreat and I got to be away for like three days. Um, and not be able to do what I want to do. So I got kind of, I got, I, I, I got high and I got in the car with my mom and we got in this huge argument on the way there. And as we pulled up to this place, this retreat center, uh, I'm getting out of the car and we're arguing about everything from faith to like my behavior and all this kind of stuff. And I said, why does any of this matter to you anyway? You're not even my real mom Oof. and I'm adopted. Oof. And I said that to my mom. Uh, and, and yeah, I just remember her instantly like, I don't know if you can picture somebody crying without weeping, just like that look that people give you when they're like tears just start coming, but they're not like bent over weeping. She did that kind of cry and it was the most painful thing I ever saw in my life. And I was like, Oh man, I screwed up. And so she just handed me the bag and she's like, I'll see you Sunday. And she just drove off. And I just remember that, that kind of resonated with me that whole weekend. And we had this moment of adoration and worship in this old musty chapel and I was sitting in the back row. I didn't want to be involved in anything. I was literally throwing a fit, like I was pouting in the back. And this guy was there, this guy named Michael John Poyer, and he's giving some testimony and singing some music. And it was just one of those moments where I just kind of stopped doing my act, my, my, my angry, angsty teenager act. And I remember having an argument with God. Like I had, as clearly as I can tell that I'm talking to you, in my head, I was, I was yelling at God and, mm-hmm. and we were having, it was, I called it an argument, but he wasn't arguing back, he wasn't yelling back. He was just letting me yell at him. <laughs> and and I, the definitive moment of that is I remember him saying, I remember saying to him, you gave me this heart and it's garbage. And if you don't do something with it, it's going to be gone soon. Mm-hmm. So you, I, I'm in this mess. Please fix it. And then and it, and it sounds super campy, dude. And I, and I am sorry if anybody checks out at this point of the conversation, <laughs> but I had a, I had a very real moment where everything kind of stopped being what it was. Like there wasn't the room anymore. There weren't the pews. There weren't the other people or anything. It was just me. And I felt somebody very definitively hugging me, like somebody holding me. And, and I could hear him talking to me. And it was the only, it's one of the only times I can ever, feel, I mean, some people have that gift where they can really connect with God with the divine and hear him speak to them. Yeah. I don't. But in that moment, I heard him very clearly say to me, I love you and I like you and yeah. you're okay. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing because nobody, first of all, like my parents were not demonstrative with their affection or anything like that. So the words I love you were very seldom said, but nobody's ever told me that they liked me, mm. but, but like as a person that I was likable or lovable. And I just remember the next thing I remember I was like crawling on my hands and knees, like doing like snotty, ugly crying, like just crawling up to the altar. And at that point I just kind of decided there's something better for me than this. And that was one of the last times I ever, that weekend was one of the last times I ever did drugs. Um, it was, you know, and it, I just kind of changed my whole atmosphere and started focusing in on God. And the first thing I did was I had these people who were, youth leaders in my life, her, this woman and her husband, her husband was my deacon. She was my youth minister. And I was like, what do you do? Like, tell me about what you do because I don't get what this is. Cause I, I, I mean, here's the thing. I went to like youth group stuff when I was a teenager, but it was to meet girls. 
Yeah. <laughs> like there's girls there and then they're here and I could be there. <laughs> That's where I'm going to go to meet girls. Uh, and so it was never for any particular purpose. And so I was like, what do you do? And so I spent three years working with them, just volunteering. As soon as I got done with school, I was there, I was cleaning, I was organizing, I was making copies, I was typing stuff up. And so, and that's just kind of where it started. They just kind of showed me about how to, they were the first people that shared with me who God was without being, without any kind of agenda. Yeah. They, it was never, it was never to just say like, you need to change your life and you need to be, because they knew, they knew that I was a mess, but they just shared with me who God was to them just by being ordinary people who loved extraordinarily. And that's kind of where it all started. And then from then on, I've just, this is what I've done. I've made it my, my life's work, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, it's great. I one of the greatest things about what I do uh, now is I really get to understand everybody's spiritual practice, particularly in their in their if if they have a denomination. I'm always fascinated by it. Um, how do you? Because I know you've worked over the past with a ton of youth, and still do. And um, what's the? Is there a, especially with the Catholics nowadays? Because it just seems like there's been another round with the church and the sex abuse and all that stuff. What What are the words to help people into that? Or because there's nothing to get over there. I mean, that is what it is. Um, but mm-hmm. what? How do you help people into that? Into that kind of like the minute that they hear Catholic, they go one way to the other. I, I think that the thing that I see the most is so many people bringing up a very valid point, which is how can you continue to be a part of this when there's so much wrong? And and like the thing, one of the and let me if I, if I backtrack this for a second, like one of the things that some leaders, especially in the Catholic Church, are doing right is they're acknowledging that this happened and that there needs to be uh, reconciliation and reform and healing and there needs to be changes made because clearly this is wrong. Yeah. Like, clearly there's a lot of stuff that's bad right. that needs to go on. And there are some who are not doing that and trying to, you know, like say, like, oh, this and the other thing and compare other things to our situation and say, like, well, see, this isn't, it's worse in these kinds of areas. And it's like, that doesn't, that does not fix this. That does not give victims any kind of healing or hope after this. And so what a lot of times it's, it's me saying I can't, and, and it sounds really trite, so please don't take it as me trying to be trite, but the best thing that I can think of is like I can't bail on Jesus because of Judas. Right. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I know what I learned, and I know what I, I had an authentic and real relationship built with Jesus through the church and bad priests or bad clergy didn't do that. They're not the ones who built that relationship for me. Jesus built that relationship for me. Yeah. So I just have to cling really closely to that relationship with Jesus and know that so much of my relationship with him is steeped in in the history of the church. And I take a lot of I take a lot of solace in that, but I also know that there's a lot of healing that needs to, to be done for people. And a lot of what I do now, especially because I do wind up having a lot of conversations with people who were abuse survivors, who are abuse survivors, or family members who also now struggle with not just the Catholic Church, but just with faith, just with having a relationship with Jesus in general because of what bad people did. It's a lot of me listening and just and not trying to explain anything away, 
because it's not my job to explain anything away. It's my job to listen and hear people's stories and, and be a companion with them. You know, a lot of what I do starts in my office because I do have an office, but it's a lot of me saying like, Hey, you want to go, you want to go get dinner? Like you want to go talk about this and, and making sure that people know that there's still love through it. Um, and, and that's, I think helping some people that I encounter, but it's not, it's not my job to fix this. Yeah. You know, like my job to fix this is saying that like I, as a member of the church, see that this is horrible and I am saying enough. Like well, I, as somebody who is a part of this, have said enough. <clears throat> yeah. It's uh that's a damn good point. The whole listening thing. I think one of the, one of the biggest spiritual practices that we miss with people who are, doing this kind of work is the whole idea of listen. I mean, we miss it. Evangelicals miss it. Denominational faith misses it. The Jews, the Muslims, the Hindus, the but we we miss this this real common point of listening. I know you know, you know several. There's obviously several traditions that are probably better at it than others, but man, the listening couldn't be more important when it comes to any opposition or ill feeling or just broken down heart soul wrenching problems. I mean, that's really where the mojo is happening when another human being, you know, kind of, you know, opens up to the idea that they have all of you and and we're going to help you be known through whatever tragic situations going on with you. So that's a great that's a great point and that's kind of how I put it. Um what is the biggest challenge that faces because millennials, there's all these articles out there, and I know you know this, there's all these articles out there that are like, you know, nobody goes to church anymore. <laughs> you know, everybody, everybody's, and, and I, frankly, I got to be honest with you because it makes me laugh. I've been reading these articles probably for 20 years for the record. But I mean, it seems, yeah. to, it, you know what I mean? You know, it's like every six yeah. months there's a, there's nobody going to the church, but yet somehow it keeps happening. But it, so what what is your best uh, take out there to to help a millennial? If let's say we're talking about the millennial generation, like what's your best take out there, or what's your best sales pitch? I guess <laughs> you know to be mm-hmm. like, hey man, we got something going on. Um, I, I think that a lot of it comes down to, and again, I, I don't want to harp on the listening thing, but a lot of the work that I do now involves is involved in how we can better do discipleship and evangelizing people. And a lot of that doesn't have to do with, obviously, because, you know, you've dealt with people like this who are, like, on street corners with their signs and their their shirts that they make in their basement, (laughs) and they're screaming at people and throwing scripture at people. I'm like, none of that has ever converted anybody. Nobody. And I even talk a lot of, like, when I'm talking with people for 15 years, I've invited a ton of people to come to mass with me on Sunday and I'm still batting zero. You know what I mean? Because I I got you. They're people that they're people I love and they love me. And eventually I get to the point where I feel comfortable. Like, Hey, would you ever want to come to mass? And of course people are super polite and loving. Oh sure, man. Yeah. Just let me shoot me a text, whatever. And and all of a sudden, like I just keep seeing red on their receipts (laughs) and their text messages, but they're not showing up. To me, with me on Sunday morning. And right. so a lot of what we've tried to do is it's this idea of not to be like super buzzworthy about it, but what's called like pre-evangelizing people, which is I can't as a Catholic, no Christian as a, as a believer can just start diving into theology and doctrine with people. Yeah. 
because it doesn't make any sense. Nothing about my faith is going to make sense to somebody who's struggling with having faith at all if I just jump right in. It's the exact same thing as if I told my three-year-old, hey, we're going to start taking swimming lessons. And she says, okay, I'm open to the idea of swimming. And I'm like, great. And I just kick her off a diving board. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. So a lot of what I work with is um, you is, is talking with people and creating open environments and welcoming environments for people of any background to come in and learn something, but also then express their, talk about their experiences with faith, wherever that is, whether they're somebody who is open to the idea of believing in God or, or specifically having a relationship with Jesus or not. You know, if they, if they're somebody who has been in church and they were gone for 20 years or they've been, or they decided last year that, you know, they took a course in, in comparative religions and they're like, oh, I don't think that this is the one way. And so we have conversations about what it is that you think and feel and believe and what it is that I think and feel and believe and just being cordial to one another, just being respectful of the fact that maybe we can differ, but as we differ, let's talk about some of these things because a lot of it is you came to me to, to talk about this. Yeah, I'm not out there trying to actively recruit people per se because it's, it's aggressive and people are, get turned off by the fact that this, this weirdo is coming up and saying, hey, you want to talk about Jesus? Um, so I'm trying to have real conversations with people. A lot of what, a lot of the stuff that I use, I don't know if you're familiar with like Alpha yeah. and Nikki Gumbel and the work that he does. Yeah. So a lot of that is, you do a lot of that kind of stuff, which has been really kind of cool. And it's not seeing thousands of people become Christians, but it's because I get to have real relationships with five people right now. And we're having coffee and we're talking about faith and I can let them express their doubts. And my whole thing is I don't talk to people about their doubts. It's like, well, here's where you're wrong. And the Bible says this. My, my whole conversation with people is, I can understand why you feel that way. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that more? Yeah. The, so it, it's a lot. What, what's funny is, you know, Jesus never convinced anybody, and neither did Paul. Like, if we just take it from a, hey, what did they really do standpoint, and, like, look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or even into the new, or even into the, you know, the Paul, you know, the Pauline set of the Bible, it's like, Nobody ever convinced anybody of anything, and that's like a real kind of thing that people got to get. The I think the Jews do the best. For me, the Jewish tradition uh, is, I mean, dude, I'm so enamored, uh, you know, by their traditions and their wisdom and and how they move, you know, you know, when they're talking about divine and and I'm always moved to the fact that there's never anybody like, you know. There's never. It's not a pastor. It's not a convincer. Like you know, we didn't hire a convincer. You know what I mean? It's like the evangelicals, particularly. And I'm not picking on. I'm just saying. I think the evangelicals. You know, the the pastor role has become the convincer. And you know, in some cases, other denominational faith has it too. But man, I just think the best way to, if we use the word evangelize. Um, right. is, is not to be in a posture of convincing or proving, but like you said, to, to really envelop people's experience. It, it wasn't until I, you know, contemplatively, when I started to really move into, into that contemplative kind of, you know, movement inside of me, then I was like, oh, I get it. This is really like super super heightened, vigilant on my experience with the divine. And so that's how I move in with people. And I mean, it, and that's what it sounds like. And, and I think that's why you and I ultimately vibe on, on, on that wavelength, because it's like, you know, I, I'm not out to, 
you know, I hear these people, man, and I know you do too. They're like, let's go build the kingdom of God. And I'm like, well, the kingdom of God for the records, like right in front of you. So, <laughs> so you know, mm-hmm. like kind of reach out and grab it kind of deal. It takes the burden off, don't you think? It takes the burden off of you. It takes the burden off of anybody that's moving into that space for relationship. And that's ultimately, I think, mm-hmm. where Jesus is going anyway. So, yeah, and I mean, and like you said, when you pay attention to, if you're, if you're breaking it down into understanding and knowing Jesus through a Christian mindset, and if we use the Bible as the lens for that mindset, so much of the language is not something where somebody's trying to sell anybody anything or convince anybody of anything. It's so much of the language is sharing what it is that God did in their lives. And, and what that is, is that, that's exactly what, the Catholic Church is really all about is because people misunderstand things like the saints or Mary and stuff like that. And nobody's here. I don't have a Mary statue in my house. Okay. I'm not sacrificing stuff to Mary or St. Anthony or anything like that. When I look at the example of the saints or things that they say specifically like the new Testament writers, like people like Peter or Paul, and you look back and all they're doing is pointing at Jesus with it. Right, And if I take it outside of that lens, and if I say that it's about something else, if it's about them, then that's wrong. That's idol worship. Yeah. But if I'm looking at what they're actually doing and what the Church is trying to do, which is point people to Jesus, that's, that's ultimately what it is. Yeah. So. yeah, it's that's 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 just good stuff. Um, the other thing I love about you, and uh, it's something that you've got way bigger cone ads and like, gonads than I do, but you're like tatted like everywhere. So if pe- uh-huh. what is your website? Do you have a picture of do you have a picture of your tattoos on your website or anything like that or in your yeah, social? So I, I don't. I'm I'm not super like yeah. So my website is called thelifeofadam.com, and that's like my Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I've got pictures of all my tattoos. Um, like on my Instagram and stuff like that. And there's some on my website. Um, you know, I try and look a little, at least a little professional <laughs> sometimes. So, but yeah, I mean, I have, and that was one of the other things is as I kind of figured out that I wanted God to be a part of my life when I was younger, I spent a lot of time at like, uh, hardcore shows at hardcore music shows. And in, in my, what are in we my, talking about? What are we talking about? Like mega death and stuff like that. What are we, what, what were we listening to? <laughs> Not quite metal, but like a lot of like more underground. At the time, it was more underground kind yeah. of music, but like bands like Hatebreed or Converge, and some of it was like Christian based, kind of. But back then, like Christian metal or Christian hardcore wasn't a huge deal. But um, but some of the bands that are really big now, August Burns Red, um, Memphis May Fire. These are a lot of bands that I knew when I was younger, and I was this kid who would go to all these shows, and everybody knew me, and they're like, oh. That's like the, the Jesus guy. Like he comes around here and he talks and he knows about Jesus and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm like, no, 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 no. He's not like yelling at anybody. He just like, that's kind of what he does. And I realized that, oh, like they're okay with me here. Like I was the one person who could, I, I was, I, I was the day walker, you know, like I could, I could be there and hang out with these kids at a hardcore show, but I also had a relationship with God, which a lot of them didn't. And so, uh, you know, Paul talks about becoming all things to all men, and I'd always had this really big love of tattoo art and tattoo culture. And at an early age, I started getting tattooed, and I just it just never stopped. <laughs> so, like both my arms, my hands, my whole chest, uh, my leg, my whole back. So I'm pretty well covered. Do you find? Um, I met a guy. Wow, geez, it must have been last month. Um, I was out to dinner with a bunch of. 
uh, a bunch of church people, as you know I love to do, and <laughs> and uh, he was tatted, man, head to toe. He had full sleeves, and they stopped right before his wrists and the whole nine yards. And I and I asked him, I just said, because, you know, right, wrong, up, down, like, who cares? I mean, whatever. But uh, do you find that there is a... Uh, that there's a a person that is a that a, I mean that will be attracted to like you know what you're doing there right I mean there that's like a mm-hmm. that's like a you know, that's like a hardcore icebreaker for me right mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it's funny because over time I found that I get less opposition from like old people because I thought that that's where I would get and that's I mean like don't get me wrong there are some older people that I encounter, whether it's at church or just at the store or whatever, and they look at me and they're kind of like, oh, and they're very alarmed <laughs> that I'm going to like, I'm going to steal their handbag or whatever. But a lot of the time, older people are just kind of like, oh, okay, well, this is just who he is. You know, once they get to meet me and talk, once they get to know me and talk to me and stuff, they're like, okay, this is just how he looks and this is who he is. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is, you know, being a being in the world, but not of it and all that kind of jazz. But I, I mean, really it just comes down to like, I really like tattoos. Yeah. You really like, and I just kind of let, I kind of let this habit get really out of control. Yeah. And, 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 but I, I, and it, and it is, it is kind of an icebreaker in a way for me to talk to people about it because everybody wants to ask questions like, what does this one mean? What does that mean? Some of them are very overtly religious and some of them are very much not, Yeah, you know, I've got a picture of Darth Vader on my leg. uh, God bless you. God bless you for that. (laughs) As a well, as a Star Wars OG kid, thank God you've got some type of Star Wars something on your body. That's all I gotta say. Hundred um, percent. Okay, so I ask. So I only do thirty minutes. So we got a couple minutes left. But I always ask the parents. Like I got into this routine now. This you're gonna be day twenty one, I think, or twenty. Um, mm-hmm. I always ask the parents. Give me your best parenting advice, and it can be anything. Um, cause your kids realize, are, your, your kids are how old again? You've got your, yours are still uh, very young, right? Yeah. So my son just turned six yeah. and my daughter is going, she's three now. She's going to be four in March. So not that long, not cute. that long away. But, so uh, cute. Okay. Best advice. Go. <laughs> I think that the one thing, I mean, I'm, I'm like, it's not about faith or anything, but just about being a parent, realize that all of the things that you think that you're supposed to do you're going to stop doing real quick. You know, like, uh, like I really wanted to try and be like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to try and eat really healthy. And then, uh, I realized that my daughter is a grazer and (laughs) the more that I can just let her eat like fruit snacks and granola bars, she's just going to be happier. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, this is not the hill. One of the things that my wife always taught me is, uh, is this the hill you're willing to die on? (laughs) And I'm not like, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to try and be like, you need to be more organic, sweetheart. Like, okay, no, it's, it's, it's fine, you know, and yeah. realize that, you know, there's no 100% right way around it. You know, yeah. like if you're the family that thinks that, you know, nursing is best for your kids, then that's what's best. If you're the family that thinks that bottle feeding is best for your babies, then that's what's best. And, you know, if you like to do screen time, then that's okay. And if you don't like to do screen time, that's okay. Don't, don't get so hung up on what the internet says is the best way to be a parent. Be really hung up on what makes your children like joyful and fulfilled and go with that. Yeah, man. It's all about, you know, I, for whatever reason I got, this is a, I'll just, I'll let you into the mind of me 
for whatever reason, I get hung up on the boys, particularly when they're out in the backyard and they're like digging a hole and it's muddy and they're like filthy head to toe. And I'm a neat, like I'm, I'm kind of OCD neat freak guy. And so like, I look at it and I'm like, everything in me wants to go out there and yell at him and tell him to hose themselves off. And then it's like, I do like that thing pops in. It's like, Dude, leave it alone. Let them have a good time. But yeah, that's 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 good stuff. Um, part of this whole exercise for me over the next forty days is to tell people like very intentionally what they mean to me. And I can't tell you enough, buddy. I, first off, I love you. I love your wife. I love your family. I have enjoyed so much watching you. Uh, get married and then have these children and build the life that you've got going on in Syracuse and and although you and I don't we don't we don't we don't do the phone thing often at all and I, I as I was thinking about this conversation I was like well this is just a, a wonderful opportunity to connect but I know you're out there I, I do man I feel you on the insta I feel you on the twit I I know you're out there and I I you always have been a positive source of hey man d- go and be forward so thank you very much for our friendship over the years and thank you for your work thank you for your life's work uh and I just appreciate you so much dude and I just appreciate your time today thank you bro and I I, I just need to say this to you really quick I know we're running up on time but I gotta tell you this you have been such a positive source of joy in my life in the time that we've known each other just between like the work that you've done and seeing you and your family grow and like specifically your advocacy for adoption as a child as a as an adopted child like I just love to see how wholeheartedly you embrace fatherhood and that you just you love your kids you love die I like I I I I you have always been such a positive source for me. And I just thank you, dude. Thank you so much for your friendship over the years. And we really appreciate it. And thank you for hosting us on our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. So good. All right. Kiss your wife. Tell her, give her a big, huge, sloppy kiss from me. Hug your kids. Absolutely. And uh, God, I hope, man, I swear, I'm, I, I, this is a prayer for me. That like after this conversation, a big prayer for me is like, in any way that we can move our energies together in 2019, I would really enjoy that. So that's going to be a new prayer for me. So thanks, buddy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, can't thank Adam enough. Uh, if you're looking for Adam, he's on the Insta, the Twits, and the Face, and he's got his own website, thelifeofadam.com, I believe. Let me check. Hold, please. Holding, holding. There it is. Where is it? I think it's the life of Adam. I'm almost positive. I'm just looking at my yep, it's the life of Adam.com. The life of Adam, A-D-A-M uh, dot com. Uh, Catholic Christian motivational speaker, uh, a well-rounded individual tattooed dude. Uh, if you're in Western New York State, I bet you five bucks if you're in Western New York State and you want to meet this guy and hammer out stuff, he's your dude. Um, he's just a good guy, so we can't thank him enough. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, we're on day blah, blah, blah. I don't even know. I think we're headed into day 21 after this one. Um, but big social media fast. I'm jrjrman.com, J-R-M-A-H-O-N.com. If you need me, it's all right there. If you want to write me, you can. I'm a spiritual director and mentor. Whatever season of life you're in, whatever you're going through, I'm your man. I do our sessions I do workshops. Uh, uh, I do all kinds of stuff. I've got a book out called Year. 
Uh, go to Amazon and search Jeremy Year, Y-E-A-R, for those of you who can't spell year, and, uh, and grab my book. I think you'll enjoy it. Anyways, tomorrow we will have a new show, a new day. I love you. Thanks for being a part of my passion. Yeah.